All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys with us. Is there anybody excited to be at church today? Oh, man, that is awesome. Uh, big response here in the main. I'm expecting the same kind of response happened out in North Platte as well as the venue. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. You're sitting right now in one of six worship services in one of three different auditoriums that we have. We're synced up live with our remote sites of uh, the venue and also down uh, over in North Platte. It's exciting. God's doing great things here at our church. Um, There is a lot of growth that's happening. There's a lot of increase that's taking place, Um, especially spiritually. There's a lot of people that have been giving their lives to Christ recently. And if you're one of those people that have recently given your life to Christ, I just want to personally stop and just say congratulations. We're so excited for you, right? Yeah, we're so excited for you. Um, And we want to continue to help you grow and become all that God wants you to be. That's what it means to be called a new lifer, all right? That you found new life in Christ and we're helping you discover what all that is. Well, today in our current teaching series, Live Dead, you heard me just say it on the video, we're going to talk about accountability. Doesn't that just make you kind of want to get up and walk out right now? I bet it did. Uh, I thought that it might. Accountability is definitely one of those words that people just don't get overly excited about. You know, it's one of those words that people just kind of like, they shy away from. Um, It's one of those words that you just don't want to have to deal with. And if you don't know anything about what I was talking about uh, with David and Saul, man, you've got to go back and you've got to look at that. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, King David, uh, who eventually became King David, and King Saul and the battle that was going on between them. It's a great passage of scripture that will teach you a lot about spiritual authority, accountability, um, and what God and how God views all of that and puts it together. And today, I just kind of want to help you with it as well. So, to kind of get started. Have you guys ever, um, if, if you've parented at all, you've been in the situation where you um, you're standing there and you got your kids, but you don't want your kids to know what it is you're getting ready to talk about. So you spell the words to one another. You ever have that moment? My wife will do that to me, especially around our grandchildren now. And she'll say to me, "Hey, honey, do you want some of that C A K E?" And I'm like. C-A-K-E. Oh, cake. Yeah. Uh, and then I say it, right? She's so like, that's what I was trying to avoid. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, of course I want cake. The reason why we spell the words to one another and we don't want our kids to hear them is because, well, if our kids hear it, then they're going to come unglued and our kids are going to want it, right? Kids have a very unique way of holding mom and dad accountable. And so we do these little things to try to avoid it, to do these things to try to get around it. Have you ever been so frustrated with your kids, though, that you said to your kids, hey, I'll give you some candy when we get home if you'll just sit down and be quiet right now. Right? You, you do that to try to win the moment. You try to win the moment. But here's what happens. Kids don't forget those lines. Do they? No, they don't. 30 minutes from that moment right then when they just got in trouble. It could be three minutes later. Hey, when do I get the candy? I said, I said, if you'll sit here and be quiet when we get home, right? You get home. Hey, can I have the candy now? I mean, they're just on it like that. If you say something of that nature, your kid will hold you accountable all day long. Kids have a very unique way of doing that. On a serious note, um, disciplining a child for not following the rules is teaching them accountability for their actions as well. And I just want to encourage you, moms and dads, don't give up. Don't give up in the disciplinary actions with your kids. When we don't discipline our kids in a godly and in a biblical way, you're literally spoiling. You are, you're, you're letting your kid become rotten. Think of like that piece of fruit or that vegetable that just sat there and wasn't taken care of correctly, right? And it rots. That's what you're doing to the heart of our kids. 
And so that when, we, when we step up to the plate and we say, that was a, that was a rule, uh, son or daughter, and so now there's going to be a godly proportion of discipline brought to them, you're teaching your kids accountability. So isn't it interesting that kids learn accountability so young in life, and that adults are trying their entire life to get out from underneath it? <laughs> it just seems like that's what we do. You know, we learn it early and then we spend the rest of our life trying to figure out how do I get out from underneath this? You hear so many people say, well, if I was my own boss, well, then everything would be good. But did you ever think about the fact that if you're your own boss, then you actually, you now have five bosses over the top of you. You've got the finance bosses over the top of you, the customer service boss over the top. You, you, you're accountable to so many things, even if you become your own boss. Why is it that adults are trying to get away from accountability? Could it be that accountability was given to us with a bad, and it left a bad taste in our mouth? Could it be that accountability was shown to us in an, in a, in an ungodly way, and accountability is displayed to us even now in our workplace in a way that just kind of feels like the big thumb pushing down on us? That's the way accountability normally is. It normally has a, an experience with it that's negative, that's toxic. It could even come in shaming conversations where statements like this are made out of the heart of accountability, right? How could you have done that? How did you let that happen? And accountability basically in the adult world in many, in many facets comes down to, I can't believe you're such an idiot. Now that kind of accountability doesn't sound like a lot of fun at all. That kind of accountability is the kind of thing that we all want to try to get away from. So this is not the kind of accountability I'm going to talk about today. I want to talk about more of a Christ-centered, God-centered accountability. I want, I want to communicate why accountability is so important to everyone that's listening to me today that you would literally walk out of here desiring accountability instead of running away from it. I want, I want to see if what we share today and what the Holy Spirit can do in your heart if there can't become maybe a healing that takes place in some of your hearts where you've been abused or, you know, you've, you've felt uh, an affliction in your own heart, in your own, you know, mind or your will or your emotions where you've been abused or, you know, you've been affected in some major way with accountability that you want to try to get away from it. I've been praying that the Holy Spirit would bring healing to those areas so that you would literally, as you walk away, desire accountability in your life. Why do we need accountability? Well, the, the big reason why we need accountability is found in this verse, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. In fact, why doesn't everybody read it with me, including North Platt and the venue? It says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Isn't that just the most encouraging verse you've ever heard? <laughs> I mean, it's just a great way to start, isn't it? Yeah, hey, just want to let you guys know, inside of you is something that is nasty right? It's wicked. It is horrible. I can't believe it. Why do we need accountability? We need it because inside of us, we have this unique ability to go off course often. We all have done it. Some of us are doing it right now. We all have a unique ability to become wicked. We've all done it. Some of us are doing it right now. Some of us are going to do it. Why do we need accountability? Because many times, we don't even know where our own heart is going, and we need other people around us, including the Holy Spirit, to help keep us on track so that we can become the people God wants us to be. So I've been working on this formula the last couple of weeks, 
that I wanted to communicate to you. A formula for accountability. Something that might be um, a word picture that could be, you know, imprinted upon your heart this morning so that you could kind of overlay the rest of the message on it as we went through it. To help you maybe understand a little bit better of why should you listen to this? Why should you take notes today? Why should you give this sermon your very best attention? And here's the reason why. This formula of accountability is going to help you understand it. That healthy accountability, right, it promotes responsibility and then it produces productivity. Every single person that's here today wants to be productive. I want you to be productive at your work. I want you to be productive in your, in your marriage. I want you to be productive in everything that you do. For you to be productive at whatever it is that God has given you the gifts, skills, and abilities to do, you're going to have to take on the responsibilities, or otherwise you won't get anything done. You'll never be productive. The best way to take on responsibilities is when you know you're being held accountable to do it. It's kind of like this driving force. Now, I told you I want you to be great at the you know, physical things and the, maybe the mental things that God's given you the ability to do. But what I care most about is that you would be productive spiritually. Is that your life would continue to look more and more like Jesus all the time. Is that your character would look more and more like Jesus. That you would be productive in sharing your faith with others. That you'd be so productive in sharing your faith with others that there'd be someone sitting next to you or sitting in a church you know, seat someplace on this planet because you shared the good news of Jesus Christ with them. I want to see you be productive for Christ's sake, not just your sake or not just for the sake of some business or not mine for sure. I want you to be productive in a Jesus kind of a way. So we do little things around new life. In fact, we, we did them before I ever became the lead pastor. We want you to be so productive that we, we try to you know, have a responsibility for you. You know what it is? When we sign, you sign your name. Just a little while ago, while the uh, announcements were being given, you were encouraged. Hey, pass the attendance ro- roster down your row and sign your name. And you know what some of you did with it? You were like, well, I'm not going to do that. Pass it on by. Well, that's your choice. You don't have to be responsible with that. But just know this. It's hard for us to hold you accountable for you to be spiritually productive if you don't sign in. Because here's what happens. If you sign, if you sign in and you sign in every week, all of a sudden when you don't show up for three weeks, guess what we do? All of a sudden a little alarm goes off, and it says, hey, Jeff Baker hasn't been here for three weeks. You know what they need? They they need some love. Some love, not some hate, love. It's just this nice little simple way of, I get a chance to write you a letter and say, hey, guess what, we've missed you. Now some of you get those, right? Some of you get them more often than you ought. Some of you have a folder with all the copies of them. (laughs) We do that, we do that not to stalk you. We do that to love you. Why? The end result of that simple little accountability is that you would be more like Jesus. It's not to judge you. It's just to let you know we care about you. Same thing happens in a life group. Right? We want you to be spiritually productive. We want you to look more like Jesus all the time. So I talked to you about the responsibility of carving out some time in your schedule and going to a life group. And then I talked to our life group leaders and I said to our life group leaders, now, you know, in a godly way, not in a controlling way, hold people accountable. Here's what I want you to do. When you don't see someone for a little while, call them, go out to coffee with them. Call them, find out how they're doing. 
Do something. Reach out to them. You are the leader. That's your job. All for the sake of being spiritually productive, more like Christ. So why? Why do we need accountability? You need accountability or you'll never be productive at anything. At anything. So is accountability important? It's not just important. I would probably take it to the next step and say it's vital for our lives. So in our journey today, let's talk about a couple, couple of different levels of accountability. First and foremost, I think that you're going to have to wrap your heart, your mind, your soul, your entire being around the fact that we are accountable to God and to God first. Jesus tells this incredible parable of this manager who has three guys who work for him and the manager's getting ready to leave for an extended period of time. So the manager gives to the one man, he gives him like, $5,000. He gives to the next man $2,000. He gives to the last one $1,000. And he says, now while I'm gone, I want you to take this money. I want you to invest it. I want you to do something productive with it. And when I get back, you're going to give an account for what you did with it. Notice, you're going to give an account for it. So the manager's gone for a while. He comes back and he meets with them. And sure enough, here's what happened. The guy that had the $5,000, he went out, started a business, and it, and it, it grew to $10,000. And the guy with the two, the 2000 he made some smart investments. He bought some things and sold some things. And the 2000 went to 4000 And the guy with the 1000 standing there, and you know, he kind of popped his chest out and he goes, hey, I, I wiped the dust off this and the dirt off this thing. I actually buried your $1,000 in the ground. I didn't lose it. And... It says that the manager was frustrated, even angry, with the one who buried the thousand, that he grabbed the thousand out of the man's hands, kicked him out of his house, and gave the thousand to the guy who had now the ten. Now, that's accountability. I gave it to you. What would you do with it? We're accountable to God. God has accountability established so that God can have relationship with us. You're like, I always knew it because it feels like God's like this to me all the time. See, but that's not godly accountability. God has relationship with us. He, he gave the, the talents, he gave the money to the men. He comes back and he checks on it. Now guess what he gets to do? Hey, that was awesome. Tell me the story about how you turned the five into the ten. Hey, that was incredible. Tell me, tell me how you turned the two into the four. Hey, now he gets to sit down with the guy who turned the five into the ten and the two into the four and he says to them, hey, what's your next idea? You got another idea? Awesome. Hey, why don't you take the 10 and go do something else? And then guess what? We're going to sit down and we're going to talk again. Because don't you you, you, you do know that the manager represented God and the guys with the money represented us. And if, if the guy being God comes and checks with the, with the people one time, is he, isn't he going to come back and check over and over again? He's not just going to get to this point where he just goes, hey, listen, you got $50,000. And I'll just go out and do whatever you want to do. No, he's going to keep coming back and coming back and coming back so that he can instruct, so he can build up, so he can teach, so that he can, you know, develop inside of us. Accountability with God is so that God can have a healthy relationship with us. That's what God's going after in our lives. Bible, the Bible gives us all kinds of ways that God's wanting to work with us in the sense of accountability. I thought we should maybe tackle a couple of them today. First off, God holds us accountable for what we say. You're like, oh man, bummer. I knew it. I knew it. I know. And now you're trying to think back, like, what are the things I said? Right? What are the things I did? Well, look at what the Bible has to say about God holding us accountable for what we say. Matthew chapter 12 says, I tell you, that on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word that they speak. 
For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Why is it that one of the areas that God points out to us um, for holding us accountable happens to be our words? Why do you think that that is? The answer really lies two verses ahead of this in verse 34. It says, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Why is it that God wants to hold us accountable for what we say? Because it came from our heart. It's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. Which one is it that God cares more about then? What comes literally out of your mouth or what originated from the heart? God cares more about what originated from the heart. Because it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks. So God uses the voice. He uses what you speak to say, I'm wanting to get to your heart because it's your heart that shows what you value. It's your heart that shows what your core beliefs are. It's in your heart that I can tell who you really are. God wants to dominate our entire heart. He wants to get at all that you are. The heart is that all that you are. It's that place where, you know, your mind thinks. It's that place where your will engages. It's that place where your emotions are at work. And God's going, I'm the one that put those there. I want, I want those things. And I, I, want, I want those areas of your life to magnify me, to glorify me. God's going, I'm going to hold your heart accountable because your heart shows humanity who you are. And I want humanity to see Jesus in you. And not just you and your actions. God wants to rule your heart. God also gets at some other areas. There's so many different areas of accountability, but God wants, he holds our actions accountable as well. Romans 14, 12, it just simply says this. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Number number one out of that is that, yeah, you are going to give an account. There's nobody listening to my voice right now that's going to avoid that. We all will. One of the things that I want you to be able to do is I want you to be able to live on this earth and not let the enemy guilt and shame you. I want you to have that confidence of knowing that God is with us, not against us. I want you to wake up every day and know that God is for me, not against me. I want you to know that, but to do that, you have to know that God is a God of grace, but God is a God of judgment as well. He's a God of justice and and a God of full, full love and full grace. You need to know something about the one you're being held accountable by, right? It's the holiness of God, the holiness of God that projects how his perfectness. It's the holiness of God that allows us you know, to have relationship with him. And it's the holiness of God that makes him the rock, the solid rock, the solid truth on which I can put my hope and my trust in. The holiness of God means there is no mistake in God. There is no incorrect in God. God is right, he is true, and he's perfect all the time. And so because of that, God cannot and God will not, listen carefully, let good people into heaven. Just let that soak for just a second. Good people. There's this idea that's permeated our culture that if I just do good things and I don't harm people and I don't go to jail and I don't have to pay any fines other than some speeding tickets and parking tickets that if I just am good that 
somehow, some way, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven, right? Because, I mean, what's God going to do to a good person? God doesn't let good people into heaven. God says he lets righteous people. People that are striving to be made right in his eyes. There's a lot of good people on this earth. Lots of them. I'm looking at many of them. But just being good isn't what God's looking for. God's looking for righteous. God's looking first and foremost for a surrendering to him. He's looking for that attitude of believing in him, that he's the Lord of lords and the King of kings, but then the obedience to him out of surrender. God's looking for those things in our life. And it's out of that desire to live every day in that mindset that there is an incredible benefit called heaven. But if we choose not to, and we choose to live life our way and want God to meet us on our terms, then there is a, there is a consequence as well, and that place is called hell. You live your life on this earth and it's like a vapor. And then after this life is over, eternity continues. In fact, you could literally say eternity is already started the moment that you were born. And that your life is never going to end. It's just going to transition. It's going to change. After you're here on this earth, there is an eternity. So will your eternity be with God? Or will your eternity be away from God? And it comes down to really understanding that, God, you are my spiritual authority and that I will be held accountable to you. A live-dead Christian is someone who surrendered their rights to God and they've chosen to follow his word and follow his way and they've ceased to try to make and force God to follow their way and their ideas. There's a lot of danger today, guys, of people going, this is what God thinks. We know who God is by his word. You don't have to worry about what does God think. God's word dictates who he is. There's a lot of belief that I can live my life the way I want to and that at the end, somehow, some way, I'll spend eternity with God, right? Because God's not mean, right? No, God is not a mean God. He's a loving God, but he is a just God. And because of his holiness, there's a line drawn that forces us to be held accountable by him, guys. You need to just come to the conclusion of understanding that he is the king. And one day, all of us, all of us, and I say this prophetically for even some of you that need to take the step of faith of putting your hope in Jesus, one day, all of us will have the joy of standing before him. Some of you are going, that sounds like a fearful moment. I'm saying to you today, that can be a joyful moment. Because when we think of accountability, we always think about the negative things that have been done. But accountability also tracks all the amazing things that are happening in your life. Accountability also keeps account of all the incredible things that God's doing in you and that God's doing through your life. Don't ever forget about that. Which list do you want to grow more than the other? I want to grow the list of going, man, God, I'm doing the things you called me to do. I'm loving people the way you want me to love them, not the way I think they should be loved. I'm walking out a life of righteousness based on your word and your way, not just on my way and what I think is right. 
I want that list to grow versus the other one. Anybody else with me? Come on. That's what it means to be to say, God, first and foremost, I'm held accountable to you. I'm looking forward to the day that I get to stand before God. Because that's a brand new day of eternity spent with Jesus Christ. That's our hope. That's what we're living for. Uh, God wants us to be productive in our faith. Therefore, he holds us accountable. But we're also challenged with a second idea of accountability, and that is that we're accountable to others. Everybody is accountable to someone. I'm accountable to God. I'm accountable to my, my wife. I'm accountable to the board of this church. I'm accountable uh, to the Nebraska District Council of the Assemblies of God who holds my credentials. And that's a mouthful. And then lastly, I'm accountable to you, the congregation. That's a lot of places to be held accountable to. Anybody want to switch places? That's a lot, isn't it? Well, if you're a businessman or a businesswoman, you're held accountable. You might be held accountable to the bank who has a loan on your business or you're borrowing money so you can buy things and you've got this constant cash flow and you're held accountable you know, to a bank, but you're also held accountable to your customers to make sure that you treat your customers with the right integrity, that the product that you sell them is you know, to everything of the standard that you said that it would be to make sure that they are loved and taken care of. Just like a student as well. A student is accountable to a teacher. An employee is accountable to a manager. And I find that accountability works best when it's voluntary instead of being mandated. Now, in your job, wherever it is that you work, in every job, including mine, there's a mandated idea of accountability that's in play. Some places it's done better than others. I got it. But in every position on this planet, you're held accountable. Even when we elect a brand new president, there's still accountability that comes with that, and it's built into our constitution and the the governance system. So it doesn't matter what position you have, there's still accountability that gets brought into it. But I think what we could all agree on is this. You might not be able to you might not be able to change everything about the person that you have to be accountable to, but you can change your heart and the way you view the accountability. And I will go as far as to say this to you, that when you start changing your heart on this earth of holding accountable, you know, being held accountable by someone else, when you start changing your heart towards accountability and you start making your heart more God's view of accountability, did you realize that you can even start changing the attitude of the person that you're accountable to? The Bible literally tells us this in Hebrews 13 about this issue. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. (laughs) Notice, even they have to give an account. So your manager that's above you, the leader that's above you, they have to give an account to somebody. So it says, Obey them so that their work will be a what? So their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to who? To say me. It would be of no advantage to you. You know what is an advantage to you? Is when you work in such a way that the person that you work for, you're making their day filled with more joy. Joy. Did you know you can work in such a way that fills the person that you're being held accountable to, that fills them with more joy? But it's not going to happen if you're just going in with a human perspective of this. If you're just going in 
just to, you know, get close to them for their personal favors? Or you're just doing things so that you can be, you can be looked at as, you know, the best worker on the crew? That's not going to get the job done. If you really want to experience them, them having joy, which becomes an advantage to you, you have to walk into your workplace starting on Monday with the attitude that I work for God. Not defiantly. That's not defiant. So when they come down on you and they want to make a correction, you can't stand there and go, I don't work for you. My pastor said I work for God. <laughs> because then, then you're going to be sitting in my office with a pink slip and that's not going to be a fun conversation. It's the attitude that you have to have of, God, you're the one that's blessed me with this. I'm working for your glory. So I, therefore, am going to obey those who are over me as if I'm obeying you. And I'm going to submit to them as if I'm submitting to you. And I'm going to manage my day. And I want my day, God, to be every minute of it to be productive as if I'm working for you. Right? I'm not going to be the person that takes, you know, the extra long lunch break when I'm only supposed to take, you know, 45 minutes or an hour. I'll be the first one back. I'm going to be the guy that shows up on time because I'm doing it for you. I guarantee you, if you start changing your attitude where you're, held, you're holding yourself, you're saying, God, I want to be hold, held accountable by you first when I go to work. All of a sudden, your work ethic will change. The desire for how you work will change. And that will have an ability to lead up and start changing the very mindset of the person that works over you. That's what God's saying here. Did you realize you can lead up, by the way? Many people only think they lead down. Like, I'm, I'm the manager of this department. I've got five people. I lead them. Some people think, well, you know, I do that, and so I lead there, but I can also lead people that are to the left and the right of me, peers of me. Few people ever think about leading up. This very verse was saying, you have the ability to lead up up changing the mindset or the attitude of your manager your department leader your whatever the title is you have the ability to lead up the only way it happens is if you go to work on monday with the attitude i'm working for him god i'm going to work with such integrity that i please god more than i please anyone that's one area there's also accountability within the church that's highly beneficial. Here's what Galatians 6 has to say about it. It says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and, and, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Accountability within the church, one to another, right here, has two critical things in it that you've got to be aware of and that I have to be reminded of often and the first one is this, restore him gently. When we think of accountability, don't you think of someone putting their thumb down and it coming down harshly like we talked about earlier? Biblical accountability, biblical accountability is figuring out how to restore people and do it gently if possible. Some people don't give you the opportunity to do that. Some people, they just won't receive the restoration and then pretty soon you kind of have to you know, follow a Matthew 18 principle and pretty soon you have to kind of like you're going to have to say, there's nothing I can do for you. But in all, in all opportunities, what should we do towards one another? Try to restore each other. Because what are we doing here? When someone sins, when they're held accountable for their actions, we don't banish them from the church. We don't judge them for eternity. We try to restore them gently back into a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And in doing so, sometimes you're going to have to carry each other's burdens. You're going to have to pick up some of the weight and get in there yourself and carry some of that stuff. And that means it gets messy. The best place for this verse to be, to be played out is not in the conf- context of you know, the large gathering that you're in right now. The best place for this to happen is one-on-one or even in a life group. So I thought I might help you understand how, how can two people hold each other accountable or how can that accountability you know, really work in someone's life? And so I want to show you these five quick things of how two people can hold each other accountable. First, you need to know that it's not about you, it's about them. That if someone is close to you and you're working with them to help them be, be held accountable, please know this, it's not about your agenda, it's about God's agenda. It's not about what you want to see happen at the end, it's about what God wants to see happen at the end. And it always has to be that way because many times we make it about us and listening to our own words and, you know, we, we helped that person. No, it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do. It's about them. Here's the second thing, though. The second thing, if you're going to help hold someone accountable, is you've got to establish the big goal or the desire. You, you have to know, here's where we are. Where is ultimately where we want to go? You've got to put a target out there, something that you're going to aim for. A lot of people, they talk about where they want to go, but they never make any traction. And so that's where step three comes in, where you got to set a realistic benchmark for a bite-sized win. Sometimes when you know where you're at and you know where you want to go, it's too daunting. It's too far. It's too difficult. It's too big. It's a bar that's too high. I can never reach it. And so you set bite-sized goals that you can actually reach. How are you going to know when and if the bite-sized goal is ever achieved so that you know if you're making your way towards the bullseye. Well, that's where number four comes in. you got to plan the next checkpoint. you got to plan the next time you're going to get together. All of these little things I'm talking about here are so simple, but people forget one of these little steps all the time. And they go, okay, you know where you want to go. You know the next thing you got to do. Okay, see ya, go do it. Instead of going, when are you going to accomplish the next little step? Oh, by Tuesday? Oh, let's meet on Tuesday. You want me to call you? You're going to call me. You want to meet it? You want to meet it for coffee? Or and then you've now it's set. Now accountability is going to start, you know, promoting responsibility, and it's going to produce productivity. And lastly, please never forget: pray for each other. For each other, if you've asked someone to hold you accountable for something, pray for them that God would give them wisdom. If you're the one being held accountable, um, then, you know, well, first off, pray for the person that you're being held accountable to. Pray for them. Um, and then, you know, pray for God's wisdom in your own personal life. And let's just wrap this thing up tonight, today. Accountability. Where are you at right now? Where is your heart toward God right now? Is your heart on God's page when it comes to Accountability. Or is your heart in your own independent, rebellious stage? Right? Where, where's your heart at with God? Are you seeing accountability through God's eyes or are you seeing it through your own eyes? And lastly, don't play games. Don't play games with God's accountability. God doesn't play games with accountability, by the way. When, when we have broken his law, we have broke his law. And there is a need for us to come back and repent to him. And today... I want to encourage you, get, get your life right with God. Submit yourself to his accountability and start following his ways. 
Submit yourself to God and start walking in his plan. Change your attitude. Let the Holy Spirit today change your attitude towards those you're being held accountable to and those that you're holding accountable. Let God change your attitude for all of that so that you're a better leader and you're a better follower. Let's take these next few moments and worship and let's come to God and let's let God really stir in our heart so that we can get on his page so that in the end, our life honors him above all things. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Father, we just wrap up this time recognizing that, Lord, you are ultimately our supreme authority, that you are the king and that you are on the throne, that, Lord, it Nothing on this earth shakes you. Nothing on this earth changes you. That you are constant. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. That, Lord, it's our agenda to try to get on your page. And it's not, it shouldn't be our agenda to try to get you onto our page. Lord, accountability never works when, with you when we're trying to get you onto our page. So we surrender to you. And we submit to you, God. We want to see your will done in our life and done through our life. Lord, I pray for this congregation of people that go to work tomorrow. As they go to work, they, they go with the attitude, I'm working for, as unto the Lord. I pray for those that might be in difficult situations where the leadership structure over them is domineering, confining, frustrating, abusive, limiting, Whatever other word, Lord, people have said, I pray for them that they would walk in there with a brand new attitude, an attitude of worshiping you and honoring you above all things. I I pray for miracles that take place in workplaces over this next week and two weeks and months and maybe years, that as we work as unto you, that, Lord, you would give us favor in our workplace, that, Lord, we pray right now, right now, Lord, we stop in our prayer and we pray for those in authority over us. Just join with me, church, right now. Just practice praying for those in authority over you. Lord, we bless them today. We ask that, Lord, you would give them wisdom beyond their years to lead us. Lord, we ask that you would give them favor with their bosses. Lord, we ask that, Lord, you would give us a heart for them, to bless them, that you would give us ideas of how we could even be better employees where we work, better managers where we work, better business owners where we work, that, Lord, you would give us those ideas that we would do those things as unto you and we would bless those that are over us. Lord, may we be great leaders for those that follow us as well. And may we pour out accountability that is the type of thing they want to follow. So, Lord, it starts with you. We come to you. We ask you, Lord, lastly, hold us accountable for our life that we might have a deep relationship with you, a sincere relationship with you, a relationship that will literally change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.